We'll come to our time of study now. We're going to be looking at King Jehoshaphat after his alliance with Ahab. And we'll be looking at 2 Chronicles, chapter 19 and chapter 20. Details of the reign of Jehoshaphat occupy four chapters in 2 Chronicles. Last week we studied the first two of those chapters. In chapter 17, we considered Jehoshaphat building up his army to over a million men of war and sending out the Levites across the land to teach the people the law of the Lord. And also we saw that the fear of the Lord fell upon all the neighbouring kingdoms so that they made no war with Judah. Indeed, the Philistines and the Arabians brought Jehoshaphat much in the way of presence and he waxed great exceedingly. But then things went downhill in chapter 18, with Jehoshaphat going to war alongside the idolatrous King Ahab of Israel against Syria, in order to recover Jabesh-Gilead, which the Syrians had taken from Israel. Before the battle, Jehoshaphat asked Ahab to inquire at the word of the Lord. Consequently, 400 false prophets of King Ahab said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. King Jehoshaphat then said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides, that we might inquire of him? The prophet Micaiah was sent for, and he plainly said that King Ahab would fall or die at Ramoth-Gilead. Nevertheless, the counsel of the false prophets prevailed, and King Ahab was killed in the ensuing battle by a Syrian archer. That brings us to today's study and to chapter 19, where King Jehoshaphat returned to Jerusalem from the ill-fated battle against the Syrians. I'm going to read chapter 19, verses 1 through to 3. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Upon Jehoshaphat's return, he was met by the prophet Jehu, who was the son of Hanani. Hanani had reproved Jehoshaphat's father, King Asa, after Israel came up against Judah. On that occasion, instead of crying out to the Lord, Asa called on the king of Syria, the pagan king of Syria, for help against Israel and plied him with gifts. Through Hanani's son Jehu, the Lord rebuked Jehoshaphat, saying, Shouldest thou help the ungodly, referring to Israel, and love them that hate the Lord, therefore is wrath come uh, upon thee from the Lord. King Jehoshaphat had not only aligned himself and his kingdom with idol-worshipping Israel, 
But also, he said to King Ahab, back in 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 3, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. Where does that leave us as Christians? Are we to love our enemies or not? In Psalm 139, verses 19 through to 22, David said, Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men, for they speak against thee wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and am not I grieved with those that rise up against thee? I hate them with a perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. If you are a child of God, presumably you hate everything about the ungodly with regards to their identity in Adam, and it makes no difference who they are. You hate their hostility and their rebellion against the Lord your God. You hate their rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. Coming back to the ungodly King Ahab, he was an idolater who chose to forsake the word of God that was proclaimed to him by the prophet Micaiah, and he chose to accept the lies of his 400 false prophets. Surely that was something to be hated. That's the kind of thing that the ungodly do. They choose to accept lies rather than God's truth. They love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil, just like you and me before we were saved from our sins. There is another consideration. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, the Lord Jesus Christ said, Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbour and hate thine enemies. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Therefore, though you might hate those who hate God and who reject him and who reject his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you are nevertheless to love them. Jesus was not encouraging you to be one with them or to enter into ungodly alliances with them and rebel against the word of God as Jehoshaphat did when he aligned himself with the wicked King Ahab. However, what Jesus was doing was correcting erroneous teaching. For example, nowhere in God's law are we commanded to hate our enemy. In fact, we are to love our neighbour as ourselves, where our neighbour may well be our enemy, and we are to do so, we are to love our enemy with acts of mercy and compassion, remembering that Christ died for us, us while we were enemies of God. The parable of the Good Samaritan has much to say about showing compassion towards your enemies. And so did the Apostle Paul, who said, If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That kind of love has nothing to do with making your bed 
with the ungodly. In fact, we are to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James said in James chapter 4 and verse 4 that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Coming back to our passage in chapter 19 and verse 3, having rebuked King Jehoshaphat through the prophet Jehu, the Lord then said to him in verse 3, Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. Unlike King Ahab of Israel, Jehoshaphat had not bowed his knee to Baal. In fact, he removed the groves, which were trees or poles set up as images of idols. Also, he sought God. Verse 3 speaks volumes about the grace of God when you consider that it is only by the grace of God that King Jehoshaphat of Judah was not like King Ahab of Israel. As for all of us who are Christians, it's only by the grace of God that we have prepared our hearts to seek the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he have sent. The remainder of chapter 19 from verses 4 through to 11 give details of King Jehoshaphat returning to the work of restoring Judah to godly worship, although that work was never completed. As it is written in chapter 20 and verse 33, towards the end of the record of Jehoshaphat's reign and life, Howbeit the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. The fact of the matter is that time and again Judah forsook the Lord and people never did depart from idolatry. In the end, Judah went into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. Thereafter, Judah never was a sovereign kingdom again. In John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 3, the Lord Jesus Christ defined life eternal as knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he have sent. In line with that, the Apostle John said in the penultimate verse of his first epistle that the Son of God has made both his Father and himself known to us who truly believe, and that is eternal life. In fact, virtually everything about John's epistle emphasised that Jesus is the Son of God and that our fellowship is with the triune God. Putting it negatively, our fellowship cannot be with God if we deny the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. In the final verse of his epistle, John said, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Within the context of that letter, John was saying that any kind of worship that does not have Jehovah as the object of our adoration is idolatry. As such, we all need to be very careful 
that our worship is centred on the triune God and not on others and not on us. Otherwise, we too can very easily go astray and into idolatry. An important part of Jehoshaphat's work of reformation was to implement godly judgment across Judah. As such, in verse 5, it is written that Jehoshaphat set judges in the land throughout all the fenced cities of Judah, city by city. In verse 7, he said to them, Wherefore, now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. And in verse 10, he said to them, And what cause soever shall come to you of your brethren that dwell in their cities between blood and blood, between law and commandment, statutes and judgments, ye shall ever warn them that they trespass not against the Lord. And so wrath come upon you and upon your brethren. This do ye, this do, and ye shall not trespass. Unlike Judah, our nation is secular and it has no regard for God's laws. Put it this way, I don't imagine that our chief minister says to the judges, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Even so, by the grace of God, we are we as born-again Christians delight in the law of God after the inward man, despite our own ongoing battles with sin. Ultimately, we thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, who fulfilled the law's demands and paid the debt of our sin at the cross. We shall now look at 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and I'm going to read verses 1 and 2. It came to pass after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. And behold, they be in the Hazazon Talmah, which is Engedi. Let me, let me remind you that in the early years of Jehoshaphat's reign, it is written in chapter 17 and verse 10 that the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. However, it would seem that the failed attack on Syria by Judah and on godly Israel emboldened Moab, Ammon and Mount Seir or the Edomites to come against Judah to battle. When you read the accounts of Israel taking possession of the promised land under the leadership of Moses some 600 years earlier, Israel fought and defeated Og, king of Bashan, and king Sihon of the Amorites. However, the Lord commanded Israel to leave Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, or the Edomites, alone. Now, those same three nations formed a coalition to go to war with Judah. When Jehoshaphat's father, King Asa, faced the Ethiopians with their million-strong army, he cried out to God, saying, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help 
whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against the multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. The Lord heard his prayer and smote the Ethiopians. Likewise, his son Jehoshaphat cried out to God, and what a prayer it was. Listen to his amazing prayer. I'm going to read verses 5 through to 12 in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, for ever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon, and Moab, and Mount Seir, with whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us, to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And then, at the end of his prayer, he said there in that verse 12, O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on thee. The fact that Jehoshaphat cried out to God and the eyes of his kingdom were upon the Lord sounds like he and the people knew exactly what to do at that particular time. And we are to do likewise all the time. We are to keep our eyes fixed upon the Lord our God. And when we are assailed by temptation and our adversaries, we are to cry out to the Lord our God. We can see the response of the Lord in verses 16 and 17, where it is written, Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you. 
O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. When I first read those words, I was reminded of the time when the Lord delivered the ancient Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. Pharaoh and his army were in hot pursuit, and with the Red Sea in front of Israel, their destruction appeared to be inevitable. However, in Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through to 15, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more for ever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel, that they go forward. That is very similar to Jehoshaphat's plight. For example, in both cases, the Lord destroyed the enemy. With regards Jehoshaphat and Judah, we are told in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 22 and 20, through to 24, that the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir. What followed was that the Moabites and the Ammonites attacked and destroyed the Edomites, Mount Seir, and then they attacked and destroyed each other. The result was that Judah found not one of the enemies still alive. As for Israel at the Red Sea, we all know what happened there. The Lord separated the sea, the Israelites passed through, and then the sea closed up on Pharaoh and his army. Again, all the enemy perished, including Pharaoh. As it is written in Psalm 136, verses 13 through to 15, To him which divided the Red Sea into parts, for his mercy endureth forever, and made Israel to pass through the midst of it, for his mercy endureth forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his mercy endureth forever. In both cases, the command from God was to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. However, in both cases, the people did not literally remain stationary. In fact, they moved forward as they trusted in the Lord to destroy the enemy. As for us Christians, we believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross, destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. On the cross, Jesus redeemed his people with his own precious blood from death and hell's destruction. As a result of the sinless life of Jesus, his sacrificial death and his resurrection, you have been forgiven all your iniquities and you have everlasting life. What remains now is for you to move forward and to press towards the mark for the prize 
of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus as you look to the Lord, your God, in faith to give you the victory over your trials. Finally, take comfort from God's promise in Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 2, where it is written, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Amen.